Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Brendan Kilcoyne coming to you from Mathenry, County Galway, with another episode of The Brendan Option, courtesy of Immaculata Productions, working to produce high-quality material for those who are working on their own spiritual lives, working from home, you might say, which has now perforce become fashionable. So we're looking at spirituality as a cottage industry. Every man, every woman trying to be a saint is hardly a new vision. Trying to find some inspiration in this present situation. I began the podcast talking about where we are. And I gave a grim enough sort of a summary of it from as, as I saw it. Okay, And not just as I saw it, but as far cleverer people see it. I, I just want to go back to that again. Not to just keep wallowing in the dirt of our own defeat. Although a bit of a wallow would do us no harm maybe bit of humility. We were just talking here before we began recording uh, how difficult humility is. And the, the Latin word humus, it comes from humus, means soil. So I think maybe we need to get down and dirty. You know, we need to wallow in this a bit. You know, we might learn something. Just learn something in the muck of our own defeat. And it, it, it is a defeat because the tremendous defeat of the church culturally and a huge cultural struggle it's gone on longer, but let's just say, oh, I don't know, since the war, let's say that. Okay, let's put it that way. We've been comprehensively defeated in Western Europe. We've lost the heartland of Christianity. We've lost the heartland. You know, it's like Rome facing the, the barbarians. We have lost Rome. I think was it St. Jerome who said when he heard of the fall of Rome, I nearly forgot my own name. We've lost Rome. Western Europe has fallen. And what of Ireland? The helm's deep of Christianity back in the day. So much so that Kenneth Clark began his famous series Civilization with the first episode. It was the first of the great television cultural series, of a great series back in the 60s, wasn't it? Civilization. The first episode was called By the Skin of Our Teeth and he started it on the west coast of Kerry looking out at Sgeligmiha and talking about the Irish monks. So what of Ireland? where civilization washed up during the Dark Ages. What of Ireland? Well, I'm afraid it's washed up and it has washed out. That's the best I can say, because the Irish church is a threadbare garment today. It's a barren landscape. I suppose that's what I want to talk about in this podcast, because I'm very preoccupied at the moment with the predicament of those who have the singularly mixed fortune of being called by God to do some special work for him in the middle of this unforgiving landscape that is the modern Irish spiritual, cultural, political landscape at the moment. It's like from a Catholic point of view, the whole country is one vast burren. It's lunar. It's a lunar landscape, as I once heard somebody describe the South Connemara landscape. A landscape I actually like a lot. So I have to confess it doesn't depress me. Although our decline did depress me at different times in the last 25 years. But that landscape doesn't depress me. It's as Ratzinger once said, you know, in, in Faith in the Future. He said, he said, you know, we're destined to be a small church, but we'll be a vibrant church. The trouble is getting there will wear us out. And it's the getting there that's wearing us out. Now, I've said this before. 
Now, what if you are called to do something in this landscape? What if you're called, let me just give you an example. You're thinking of, oh, what if you're called to set up a great university? Well, if you remember, I talked about setting up a decent hedge school. That'd be a good start. What if you're called at the moment to be like some young people I know at the moment who are trying to do exactly that? They have young kids and they're looking with huge worry at the present Irish educational system. And they're looking at homeschooling. Now, I have a background in mainstream Catholic secondary schooling. In a sense, I'm a traitor to my own background in even discussing this, maybe. But uh, I happen to know that that whole scene is full of fantastic people. There are fantastic people working in the Catholic educational scene. And yet, if you look at the secondary level, I've said this before, I think we pretty much give up the ghost on secondary catechesis. I'm not saying some individuals kept going. I think we gave up the ghost on it back in, oh, maybe the 70s or 80s. Maybe there was still something happening in the 70s, I don't know. I think, to be honest, we were coasting along, you know, resting on our laurels on inherited faith. But one thing's for sure now is that we're in serious trouble there. And I'm looking at these young couples and they're so fragile looking. Now, I'm not condescending to them because they're not fragile people, no more than any of us. And they have deep faith. But the world is big and the world is hard. It's hard. And they're just a few. And they're young and they're in love. And they love their families and they they have such hope for their children. And many of them are having or hope to have what would now be considered fairly big families. And where are they going to send them to school? And this, this this is a huge worry to them. I'm thinking of anyone who wants to start up a pious association of the Christian faithful, just a very basic sort of organisation of lay people working together for some spiritual end. Or somebody who might be starting up a, a monastery or starting up a religious order. Or, I mean, how would you have the courage to do it now in Ireland? Because the trouble is that your biggest opposition will be inside in the church. And that opposition won't be direct but you're in an organisation that has become accustomed to failure. And many of the orders in the Catholic Church now have a discernible death wish. They haven't bothered trying to take in novices for years. And I can't help wondering whether the same isn't obtaining in the Irish Church at large. And you have to remember that the Church, we believe, is indefectible. The Church will remain faithful and present in history for all of history until the last day. But the Church has no such guarantee In any one location, North Africa was once a thriving Catholic area. It's been Muslim for a thousand years. But Western Europe, it looks like we're ceding the ground to secular liberalism. Secular liberalism, which uh, almost invariably ends up in superstition, because as has been so often uh, noted, I think it was Chesterton who said it, if you don't believe in something, you quickly start to believe in anything. Yeah, I remember noting in a European city, very sophisticated European city years ago on a tram, all of the notices for palm readers and spiritualists and seance conductors and psychics of all kinds. So, what do you do if you're a Catholic here? You remember the Cromwell famously said about the, the Connacht. Well, he's speaking, I think, specifically about the burn. He was usually, he was appalled by the burn although he had turned most of the country into a burn. He said there wasn't timber enough to hang a man, water enough to drown him, or clay to cover his corpse. He's supposed to have said that. Yeah. I've always loved that, of the quotation. I've always liked the burn. 
I've always liked the landscape of South Connemara. It reminded me of the slightly more forgiving landscape, but not much more, of southwest Mayo, where I come from, down beyond Lewisburg. Stone, bog and mountain. Not all, but a lot of it. And sea. You would be amazed at how interesting bogs can be. You would be amazed at how much grows in a bog. Ask any naturalist. That's why Europe is trying to preserve them now. You'd be amazed at what grows in the burn. Ask any botanist. There are plants which learn to grow, some, some of them very exotic, in very unforgiving landscapes. Strange blooms blossom in the desert. I suppose what I'm trying to say to you is, we need to accept where we are, I can't say this too often, and to realise that the Holy Ghost is an expert horticulturalist. Go to the Holy Land and see what the Israelis have done with huge tracts of land there in Israel. See what you can do with irrigation. But even without irrigation, even on the limestone landscape of the Burren, look, look what can grow there. Instead of deciding that we need to rebuild the church, don't talk about that. That's presumptuous. God builds the church. Or we need to restore the Irish church. No, you don't get to do that. And even talking about restoration is kind of theologically clumsy. The church goes on. The church doesn't need you to restore her. The church goes on. What we need is you to be church. And we need you to be church in a new way, culturally speaking, historically speaking. That's all. That's everything. That's going to be damn hard. That would be great if you could start doing that. If you were content to put down roots in the thin soil of a limestone landscape that is the Irish church now. And you would see that remarkable things would grow. And I'm begging now, I'm, I'm particularly preoccupied by those who have been called by the Holy Spirit to do perhaps remarkable things now. And I'm speaking with the words of Patrick Pierce. You may be surprised to hear. Listen to me. I have been given out to by very devout young Catholics for talking like this, but I, I believe in it. You should love your country if you're a Catholic. Why? Because we're not Gnostics. Because we don't hate the body and we don't hate the earth and we don't hate the world and we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. We are the greatest materialists on the face of the universe, so to speak. We revere the creation which speaks to us constantly of God. And the faith rooted in this land and in this climate with the rain lashing down on us how many hundred days a year. And that is a particular expression and experience of the faith with the soft rain and the wind moving through the, the ash trees on wet days. That's our Catholic Church in Ireland. That's our Irish experience of the Lord. We need to rediscover that. Stop looking around you all the time at what other people have and see what he has given you, a magnificent inheritance of 1,500-odd years of Christianity, odd in more ways than one, 1,500-odd years of Christianity. We need to look to America for inspiration above all because it's our daughter church, to a large extent, not entirely, to a large extent. We need to look to America for its energy, we need to look to America for its money too, we need to look to America for a whole lot of... I take no shame in saying that, but we need to look to America for a whole lot of different ways. But the Americans are the first to tell us, we can't do what you have to do. 
something must grow here. Otherwise, you've just got McDonald's in Dublin, spiritually speaking. Okay, and I'm not saying that to be smart. It's not going to be Irish. I don't trust an Irish Catholic who doesn't love his or her country. You don't have to be an extremist or a mad left-winger or right-winger or anything else to love your country. You should revel in your country. This is our holy motherland, as a Russian Orthodox person might say. Holy Mother Ireland, as we always said. God has given us Ireland. And we should again listen to what God is saying to us through the landscape, through the tradition of the spiritual inheritance. What is God saying to us here? How does God want us to be church now? A smaller church, a humbler church. But I remind you again, I mentioned it before, and don't ask me where it is because I can never remember. It's a gloss on one of the medieval manuscripts. One of my parish priests, when I say that, I mean I was living in his parish before I was ordained in my own parish at home. One of our parish priests loved to quote a college crin sagartor. I can't remember the second half in Irish, but it went, for once in Irish, the chalices were of wood, but the priests of pure gold. And now, oh, (laughs) it's the opposite. We've got gold chalices and, well, you know. No, 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 we'll be a poor church, we'll be a small church, but we we will be a church of pure gold, I think. We'll be a church certainly of gold. I think another golden age of Irish Christianity may be dawning and it will be a hard birth because all birth is hard and dark and a bloody affair that can nearly kill the mother. Birth is of violence. And we shouldn't be surprised that this is being so hard and so dangerous. But I am firmly convinced that God will yet do here mighty deeds in Ireland. So, I'm saying to you, if you feel that God is calling to you to do something, to do something new, let's say. Don't let go of that. And don't allow yourself to be intimidated out of it. Don't let the sweets be taken out of your hand. Don't let yourself be laughed at. We're great at that in Ireland. It's an old peasant thing. Small towns and villages. Everyone terrified of being laughed at. Don't let yourself be laughed at out of this. Let them laugh all they want. Don't let go of whatever the Spirit has whispered in your ear. And beware, as Pierce would have said, the men with the keen, long faces. Now, we need them. Where would we be as a church if we didn't have professional accountants and business people and lawyers to guide us in the complex matters of running the church's business? We need these people. We need their rigour, their forensic rigour. We need all of that. But... I'm telling you now, and they'd be the first to tell you as well, that it's not their job to be creative in that sense. That's your job. It's their job to hold on to your coattails and try to stop you from absolutely wrecking your own vision with complete lack of practicality. But on their side, they must respect what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so you will have people who will say, I can think of two or three people who have said it, I depend on providence. And that will sound like heresy, as Pierce would have said. It was shock Rathgar. It would sound like pure heresy. Pierce quotes a parish priest who said to a banker from whom he was trying to raise a loan to build a church, St. Joseph will see you paid. And the banker replied, St. Joseph is an excellent saint, but the bank will need a greater level. He's a very poor financier. And the banker, according to Pierce, dined out on his wit. But the banker died and nobody remembered him. 
the priest saw his church built. Now Pierce would be telling that obviously because they were, as they saw it, bringing to birth a nation. Now, you're right to be afraid of your own vision. You're right to be afraid of what it will cost. You're right to be afraid of the destructive power of the Holy Spirit because creativity is always accompanied by destruction or what appears to be destruction. But please, for goodness sake, don't throw God's invitation back in his face. And so if you're called to do something in Ireland, I beg you to come and do something in Ireland. If you're not Irish, come and do something in Ireland. If you are Irish, stay and do something in Ireland. Please, if you are Irish and you're looking at the situation now and you're thinking, I can't make faith work here. I'm going to go abroad. And yes, I am deliberately digging at people I know. Please don't go abroad. Please don't do this. There's only one reason for going abroad and that's if God wants you to go abroad. There's only one reason for going abroad. I'm going to say it again. And that's if God wants that. Going abroad because you don't think you can make it work here is not a reason for doing that. Uh, how did you think this was going to be? Did you think this was going to be all sweetness and light? Did you think this was going to be a great big box of sweeties? Did you think this was going to be Catholic Disneyland? How did you think this would pan out? I'm promising you nothing but a hard road. A hard mountain road. Bog on one side and bog on the other and bog in front of you and bog behind on you and a great and persuasive amount of stone. A hard landscape. And I'm telling you that remarkable things can grow on a bog or on the side of a mountain or in the cracks in a rock. Because believe me, as impervious as this culture seems to be to fit, rock cracks over time. All sorts of forces will make it do that. The hardest rock. And we'll grow in the cracks. Hmm? We'll grow in the cracks. We have to have the humility to go back to doing that again. As one scholar has said about gang culture, it's interstitial. I think that's James Thrasher, the American. It's interstitial. It grows in the interstices, so to speak. It grows in the dividing lines. It grows in the cracks in the pavement, in the connecting bits, where they don't quite connect up where family life breaks down and things don't quite work out. People have to have people around them and the gangs develop. I'm telling you too, the church is going to have to have the humility to go back, to go out to the highways and byways and invite everyone to come into the feast. It's going to have to have the humility and originality, spiritual originality and spiritual creativity to go back into the cracks in the pavement of society and start putting down roots there. You'd be amazed at what grows and cracks. I mean, how difficult is it to keep a patio clean? Come on. Apparently, completely impervious membranes under gravel that will let nothing grow up. And then you look out a few weeks later and there's a mangrove swamp growing in the gravel. Nature is tremendously powerful. Weeds don't know you that you call them weeds. They don't feel like weeds. They just want to grow. The church is going to have to have the humility to become what other people will regard as weeds. We are no longer the flower of choice. We will no longer be put on dining tables. Who puts a bunch of dandelions on a dining table? Have them all run for the loo, if you believe the old superstition. Now we are the dandelions, but hey, bees love dandelions. Now we are the weeds, but we can grow anywhere. 
We grow on the cracks in limestone landscapes. We grow on the cracks in rocks. We grow on the bog. We grow on the sides of roads. We grow anywhere. And the fact that nobody wants us doesn't mean we won't grow. I'm not saying to you this is going to be easy, but it's going to be extremely interesting. Now, I know, you know, the old Chinese curse, they say, may you live in interesting times. I don't know if that really is a Chinese curse or if it's an English version of Chinese wisdom, a bit like Chinese food and Irish Chinese restaurants, a sort of a very carefully um, adjusted cuisine to suit the Anglo and Irish palate. These times are fascinating. And I am absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit is speaking to a whole range of people in Irish society at the moment. And I think that the thorns are choking the seed. I think that the sun is baking the seed. I think that the birds are coming and eating the seed. I think that the thorns and the hot sun and the birds of our sarcasm and our fatalism and our defeatism and our wish to somehow go off, crawl off and die is killing the seeds sown by the Holy Spirit in this landscape, killing many of them. And I'm saying to you, we as a church now should be saying, where we see somebody who has founded something that's, or started something that no matter how impractical, it makes spiritual sense and is showing serious fruit. Now, I'm not talking because any nutter can say that they've been, the Holy Spirit has been talking to them. Okay, I accept that. I accept that. Okay. I accept that. Bishops, religious superiors, we all have to have a bit of sense. But don't become the men with the keen, long faces. Don't become the men who, like as Wilde said, the price of everything and the value of nothing. Don't become just the person who can really read a line of figures. Okay, if you can really read a line of figures, you should also know the value of things, you know? I mean, how many people would have thought McDonald's was a silly idea? How many people would have thought any of the great businesses, any of the great corporations we can think of were silly ideas? The electric light probably looked like a silly idea. The telephone probably seemed a silly idea. I mean, fortunes have been made in the whole area of computers and software and the internet and all the rest of it because of ideas that must have seemed really quite silly in the beginning. We need to be fostering spiritual creativity. That's the first thing I need to say. And the second thing I need to say is to the spiritually creative, please don't give up because you're not feeling the love. This is Ireland. The Irish aren't maybe great at that anyway, or at least historically weren't. Irish Catholics aren't great at it. And the Irish church at the moment, remember, is in a kind of a, an intermittent death agony that hits us about every two or three centuries as one version of the church dies and it flounders like a mighty beast thrashing and, and crying out in its death agony. Let it die. Something new will be born. Now, what should we be looking at at the moment? This is a difficult thing to do, but we should be looking at a church that would be highly light, very light on its feet. We should be looking at a church that would be in rapid communication with the rest of it right through the country. It may not correspond to the existing parish network and it may not correspond to the structure we have at the moment. Part of the church structure is indispensable anyway, like the Episcopal, the diocesan structure, but the existing structure, this is a very difficult thing to do, may also have to deal with an emergent alternative structure that doesn't correspond to it, but still needs to be supported by it, fostered by it, brought along by it. This is a very difficult thing to do. It's going to take a lot of humility, a lot of patience. 
a lot of self-discipline on everyone's part because the authorities are going to have to really start listening in a discerning way to people who may seem to be nutcases. Some of them are nutcases. But hey, some of those may actually have been picked up by the Holy Spirit to do things, like Francis going in to see Pope Innocent. Can you imagine what Francis and his gang of, of threadbare hermits look like to that sophisticated papal court? Can you imagine that? I'm just saying, like, the authorities, and I'm not saying they're not, I'm just, I'm just saying it, okay? I'm just saying it. The church is just going to be very, very patient and very imaginative and willing to listen to these emergent leaders, to these emergent saints, maybe, okay? And discern them. It's a tricky business, and not only in cases, by the way, be, there could be some real chancers there as well. I mean, this is the Wild West. This is Deadwood. I mean, this is going to be a stamping ground for chancers, spiritual pickpockets and nutters. Oh, in the middle of that will be some pure gold and we'd better not miss it. And on the other hand, I'm saying to you, if you're there and you have a, a spiritual vision and you're not feeling the love and you don't feel you're getting any support, or you don't feel, I, please, for God's sake, don't give up. That's just a reverse kind of snobbery. Please don't give up. Oh, well, you know, what can you expect from the official church? Oh, don't start that don't start that nonsense, okay? Please don't start that. The official church, the institutional church. The church is the church. And how do you know if you'd be any better if you were in that position for long enough? Okay, so don't be such a reverse snob. Be patient. Be patient as a new man loved that. He loved that Sam. Trust in the Lord and he will do it. And he will make your justice shine out like the sun, I think it is. Just be patient and trust in him and don't be nasty and cruel towards the ecclesiastical authorities. They're people like you. Honest to God now, I see a few of those American YouTubers and they're, I would suspect, just fantastic people. But the danger is the devil's work will be done because they're getting bitter. I can see two or three of them. They're not being listened to by the bishops. Now, all right, some of the bishops have made, maybe made mistakes dealing with them. Okay, I can think of one very prominent bishop who maybe could have been a little bit more patient with one of them. I just think it's a time for real discernment. But the other side is that those people can become bitter, and I see it happening. They become bitter and angry. And next thing you know, they're sounding off. These devout Catholics are sounding off like the most implacable Protestant iconoclast of the 16th century. Now, fine if you want to be a Protestant iconoclast. I'm sure that's a very lovely thing to be. Now, you go off and be that. Okay, but don't, don't stay in the Catholic Church and, and say, well, you know, I'm a devout Catholic. And then go on talking about the Holy Father like that. Go on talking about the bishops like that. Maybe some bishops have sold out. It wouldn't be the first time. We pray for them. We stick to our guns. You know, we stay loyal. The whole church had nearly gone Arian when, when Athanasius stood his ground. John Fisher, like, you know, there in the Henrician reforms, when so many of the bishops were intimidated by Henry, by the, the Tudor government, which was intimidating, by the way. There's a high price for going against him. And Fisher paid it. Don't be too hard on them, okay? Be compassionate. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to be patient with your leaders. Be patient with your bishops. Okay, not everyone hears the Spirit at the same time. Maybe you do look like an outcaster. Maybe you look like a chancellor, a confidence man. Maybe you just look like somebody, oh, worse than that nearly in some ways, because at least a chancer has a plan. And in that case, well, you know, they're dinalidia, as, the, as it says in Irish. God has them in his hand. But what can be even more frightening than that can be a true visionary who is totally impractical and will spend fortunes and waste them 
and won't listen to the practical people. So, you know, just be patient. Maybe you need to learn to. But don't give up on your vision, whether it's for homeschooling. I've heard a few priests lately. I know that there's a start on an oratory in Dublin in the Philip Neri mode, like the oratory in Birmingham or the oratory in London. The one has started in Dublin, Harrington Street. And I've heard priests, you know, talk about the oratory model in, in, in other respects. I mean, that's interesting. So don't let yourself be laughed at out of that. But pray and think and ask God to guide you, but ask God crucially to guide others around you to whom you have to explain yourself. Ask God to come into that situation. Or it's homeschooling. Or jeepers, maybe it's even starting up a Catholic school. Crikey, can you imagine starting up a Catholic school now? Can you imagine starting up an entirely private Catholic school now? Oh, holy Lord, look down on us all and pity us in our misery. I mean, I ran a school and it is no joke. And the school system is full of great people. Catholic school system has a lot of problems at the moment, I admit that. Can you imagine starting up a completely private Catholic school where you had to pay the teachers? I mean, your staff bills are going to be the highest bills. Can you imagine having to find that money? And then what if you have these fantastic Catholic kids who want to go to it and they can't afford to go to it? How do you work that? How do you find bursaries? How do you find, oh Lord, you got everything else then. You've got to provide all that stuff. How are you going to do science labs? How are you going to do this, that and the other? Uh, if the Holy Spirit is calling you to found a Catholic school, you have my sincere sympathy. You poor schmuck. But you don't want to go to heaven, even go to heaven and, <laughs> and discover that you were repeatedly asked by God to do something else. He's forgiven you, but will you forgive yourself? Well, I suppose that's purgatory, isn't it? In heaven, you'd have forgiven yourself. That's purgatory. That could be a long purgatory. When you see all you could have achieved and you didn't achieve it because you were afraid of being laughed at, because you didn't feel the love, because the bishop was mean to you, you poor little tutums. You poor little fragile little creature. Oh, Lord. It's awful the ontological abuse that's going on, the spiritual neglect. We should have soul line, like child line and, and, and all these things, you know, where you can call and say, you know, I don't feel the divine love. I don't feel the ecclesial love. I don't feel the love. Well, welcome to the life that most of the saints had and welcome to the path of Jesus Christ. Because they didn't feel it either, I can tell you that. May I recollect just for you, if you're trying to discern a vocation to do something in the Irish scene at the moment, if you're trying to put down roots in the burn that is the Irish ecclesial scene at the moment. The last words of our Saviour on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the Son of God, begotten, not made. This is, I had a professor once, he used to get really worked up when somebody would say, Christ, it was a very popular observation in the 60s and 70s and 80s even, Christ was not a university man. My professor said that was blasphemy. He had all wisdom. He knew everything. And in a sense then, humanly, that was restricted for him. But he knew everything. Now you'd have to go, you know, I mean, philosophically, theologically to go into that. All of wisdom was incarnate in him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is holy wisdom. That is God himself in the dirt, in the humus, humble with us. So you're not alone. I don't blame you, for, by the way. I don't blame you for feeling despair at times. But you're not alone. I'm saying this because I, I think some young Catholics are going to do a runner. I think they're going to pull plank. I think you're looking at the Brendan voyage here in reverse. I think it's Brendan jumping in a boat and rowing like hell away from what he should have been at. 
and they're going to go for peregrinatio pro Cristo. They're going to go for white martyrdoms, the old Celtic saints used to call it. They're going to go out abroad and do great things for God where great things can safely be done for God, where you're going to get plenty of support in one of the emerging districts of Catholic Disneyland. They're going to go to one of those countries, the United States, for example, where great things are already happening in a re-emergence, not a restoration, in a re-emergence of the church. But the states are uh, probably about 20 years ahead of us in this regard. Wouldn't it kind of ring a bit more true if you're Irish and an Irish Catholic? And the states are already being evangelised by fantastic young American Catholic evangelists that maybe God is probably not calling you to evangelise the United States, which seems to be pretty good at evangelising itself at this stage with all of its problems, and that actually he might be calling you to evangelise Ireland, which is spiritually banjaxed and a spiritual post-apocalyptic wasteland. Is it not possible? Is it not probable? Uh, come on, let's, let's be realistic here. Is it not very likely that you're actually being called to stay right where you are and to do incredible things for God here? I think you should look at that. I think you should examine that very carefully. And will the church support you? No, probably not. In fact, it'll probably bully you. It'll probably ignore you. It'll probably laugh at you. Welcome to the church. Welcome to Catholicism. Welcome to the Irish version of it especially, which will have a nice Irish twist. Nobody does sarcasm like the Irish. It is the humour of the poor man. It is his great consolation, the opportunity to be sarcastic at the expense of your neighbours. Please don't leave us. I'm saying this directly to you. I'm saying it to you as the Irish said in Pat it to Patrick in his dream. Do you remember that? They came to him. I heard the voice of the Irish, you know. And what were they saying to him? We pray you, holy youth, to come again and walk among us. I pray you, holy youth. I pray you, holy girl, to stay among us and to be a slave in Ireland for God. That's what I'm asking you here today. And I say to you at the end, as we draw to a close, in the words of W.B. Yeats, I am of Ireland and the holy land of Ireland. And time runs on, said she. Come out of charity and dance with me in Ireland. St. Brendan, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.